verse 1 once again. And uh, the reason I'm going to talk about verse 1 is because there was a part I missed last week. And so last week, well, let me read verse 1 to you one more time. Therefore, I, a prisoner, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you to leave a life worthy of your calling, for you've been called by the Lord. So last week we talked about the prisoner. I was a prisoner for serving the Lord, a prisoner for serving the Lord, and I beg you to lead a life. So we talked about this uh, idea that Paul, as a pastor, is begging. He's begging people to live a life worthy. And so that that word, that exhorting word, like I, I really, and he's, he's crying out to you, coming close and crying out to us, Please, he's, he's pleading with us, beseeching us <clears throat> to do this, beseeching us because of who we are to live um, a life worthy of the gospel. And so we also just talked about uh, that he's a prisoner of the Lord. He's a prisoner literally, but he was also a prisoner that he would see himself as we should see ourselves as well, that we are bound to God. We're no longer s- slaves of sin but now we are slaves to Jesus. We have chosen, uh, called and, and then chosen to, be, to bind ourselves to God in slavery to, to Jesus and his will for us. And so we, again, see that in the first three chapters. We come into chapter four and Paul says this, this therefore word right at the beginning. Therefore, in light of all of this, therefore, let's talk about this. In light of all of this, let's talk about this. Again, I'll probably say this many times over the weeks. Because we know who we are, we can stand firm and act out well. We can act well. We can do the therefore passages really well and in faith and with confidence because we understand who we are and whose we are. When there isn't an understanding of who and whose we belong, who we belong to, when that isn't happening, us walking out and being the church is going to be feeble at best, timid perhaps, but we're going to be on shaky ground. So as Christians, we have this foundation. In fact, in chapter 2 and 3, it talks about Christ being the foundation, the cornerstone for us to stand on. So as the church, you have a cornerstone to stand on. In shaking times in our world, all the cornerstones that people find and try to stand on and prop their life up and build their life on, those cornerstones are falling apart. Perhaps the stock market is a cornerstone that people have built their lives on. Perhaps their, their family or, or their loved ones, their husband or wife, or perhaps a job that we build a, our, our life on this foundation, this cornerstone of our jobs and income. Um, uh, perhaps it's just ha- thinking and uh, we have enough. All of those things are being stripped away. They're being crumbled and torn down just because of what's happening in society. But the church, you, have a cornerstone. You have Christ Jesus, who is the rock, who will not be moved. And so the things of the world can crumble, but because the things of the world aren't underneath us as a foundation, we can crumble and still have a foundation. And so that's when the church can charge in. The church charges in because we have a foundation in Christ. I just love this concept. If if there's any time to talk about this, it's right now that we can charge in and be the leaders we, you, the church, can be leaders in so many aspects, right? Because even our leaders uh, in the city, the, the mayor, the governor of the state, the president of the United States, even they have to wrestle with where they've put their foundation. 
And if their foundation is crumbling while they're attempting to lead, they'll lead out of fear, selfish ambition. But we, on the other hand, can lead out of something different. We can lead out of a foundation, a true and solid foundation. So in verse 1, what I didn't bring out, draw out of verse 1 last week, I'm going to draw out of verse 1 this week and then continue into verse 2 and 3. Therefore, I, a prisoner serving the Lord, I'm begging you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. This is our testimony as a church. Leading a life worthy of our calling, because we have been called. So, Paul doesn't ask us to do anything, but act on what we already know. Act on the calling that we already have. So, we're going to lead this life worthy of our calling. What does that mean? What does a worthy of our calling mean? The the word worthy, worthiness, right? That that life uh, worthy of our calling. It's really pointing to um, uh, having a a worth that that matches the actual value. And so we look at things that have value, right? And uh, perhaps you have a a chunk of, of gold, right? And that chunk of gold is worth how much somebody's willing to pay for it. Okay, so right now I'm dealing with this situation. Uh, my, my 1984 Honda Prelude was in an accident, and it was totaled. Really sad to me, because I kind of wanted to keep that car for about 20 more years, and not only would it be a classic now, but it would be a classic then. It only has 60,000 miles on it. and Yes, 60,000 miles on it. And it was in decent shape. One side was a little banged up, but it got in an accident, and it was totaled, totaled. And so the insurance company comes, and they say, well... Uh, around here, the only comparables we could find is another one that's worth about $1,500. And so I'm going, $1,500? This is a 1984 Honda Prelude with 60,000 miles on it. And I mean, it's in perfect, con- it's in really good working condition. Not perfect. All right. So it's not worth $20,000, but maybe $5,000. So I went online and typed in some stuff and found some Honda Preludes in New York that was worth at 1984 Honda Preludes in New York with 120,000 miles on them that are worth $8,000. And in my head, I'm going, okay, worth, worth, here's, here's my car. It's worth, uh, it seems like, wow, $60,000 has got to be worth more than $1,500 that the insurance company is trying to give to me. Anyway, I don't know how that's going to work out. Most likely, I'm not going to get as much as I want. But what this, this word worth is talking about is worthiness. Worthiness is having um, a, a worth, a value that, that matches the actual value. So a, a chunk of gold and a stack of money, right? Those have to equal. This is worth that, this much. My car, I'm going to say it's worth $5,000. <laughs> I'm not going to get that. There's no way, right? I'm going to say it's worth $5,000. So when I get a check, that check has to be worth what that car is. And if I get a check for $1,500, I'm going to feel pretty bad, right? Because the worthiness of this check isn't complete. Actual value isn't there. And so Paul is saying, live a life worthy of your calling. Worthy. That you're 
you're, the life you're living equals the value of the calling. We get this? The life you're living equals the value of, wow, that is really good. I hope <laughs> that is so good. Um, I hope you're writing this down because um, I think that's really good. The life you're living is worthy of the calling. How many of us can say that, the ba- that there's a balance there that, or the, there's, there, there's a, a, a weighing out there, right? The life we've been called to, this incredible, like, like God sent his son to die for us, give his life for us, purchased our freedom. Is the life we're living the actual value of the calling? Wow. Uh, another part of this, the, uh, the life worthy of our calling, some of your versions might say that we're to walk out our calling or something like that. It has the word walking in there or walking it out or something like that. I, I beg you to lead a life. It, the NLT says to lead a life. Some of your versions say to walk out a, a life. So lead a life that's worthy. So this, this word walking is uh, to, to live it out fully, not partially. In fact, the word has this, this um, understanding of, of a complete uh, uh, like walking in a complete circle, not a partial circle or not a little bit or, or not um, kind of, but a complete circle. Does it remind you of anything in the scriptures when Jesus, somebody says, well, hey, uh, uh, what do I do when they ask me to, to carry the luggage for the centurion for a half a mile or a mile? Jesus says, well, carry the luggage for a mile and then carry it for another mile. Well, what do I do when somebody says, hey, I'm cold, I need a shirt? And Jesus says, well, take your shirt off and then give them another shirt. Get some food, give, give somebody some food, and then give them some, some more. Give them more food. And so this, this word is, is life walking it out is a fullness, a completeness, not just partial, not just enough, but more than enough, right? More than enough. In fact, double the amount. Peter would say, hey, how many times am I supposed to give, forgive my brother? Seven times? Is that enough, Jesus? And Jesus says, no, yes, seven times, but seven times seven, 70, 70 times seven, 70 times. Peter's like, oh, man, I thought 70 was a lot, but now 70 times seven? Walk it out. Are you walking out the worth of the calling you have? There's some incredible things there, right? Things that should, could should impact us, like trans, transform us. What a great time to walk out the worth of our calling right now. Your neighbor across the street. In fact, our neighbor across the street, um, she, has, she has lost her job for a few months now. Uh, they are in the percentile of age that are probably in danger of, of getting the virus and, and then being in danger of it. Um, uh, Christine and I have been wondering how can we, how can we, what can we do, how can we help? And so what I'm doing right now is getting a bag of coffee for her from Pilgrim. And so I'm getting this bag of coffee and um, I could just hand it to them, but even more, we're going to take it into our house. We're going to grind it because they don't have a grinder of the house, grind it, fill it back up, wipe it down on the outside from any potential hazardous passing germs and uh, give it to them like that. So Paul is saying, hey, live a life worthy 
more than living it out fully, not partially, not just a little bit, but completely. Live your life fully, completely. So wonderful. So, and so, he, you know, right? He's begging. He's, I'm imploring you to live like you were called. Live like it. Equal value, live fully because you were called. Church, you are called for such a time as this. You are called for this. I love Ephesians right now because it's just, it's so perfect, so apropos for our situation, our generation right now. You are called. Perhaps you were called for such a time as this. So for such a time as this, many of you know and are familiar with the story of, of Esther. And uh, I'm going to turn to just one passage in the book of Esther. Esther being in the Old Testament. If you read um, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicle, or Samuel, First and Second Chronicles, then there's the three three books: Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. Esther, one of the books titled after a, a woman in the Scripture who God used in in incredible ways, um, and she was a uh, a Jewish young woman that the king, the pagan king. Um, really just went out and took because she was beautiful and, and married her along with I don't know how many other women at the time. And, and so she's in this harem and, and her uncle Mordecai would be uh, kind of working for the king as well, kind of down by the gate somehow, whatever he was doing. At one point, Mordecai became kind of on the good side of the king, but then there's this guy named Haman, and Haman decided to destroy all the Jews because he didn't like him because Mordecai wouldn't bow down to him. Blah, blah, blah. A story of, of uh, pride and arrogance, and I'm going to get back at you because you're not giving to me what I want. So all this stuff is happening. And inside of that, the Jewish nation is going to be put to death. The king stamps a decree that says, yeah, go kill those bad people, not knowing that the queen herself is part of those bad people. And so in, the, in Esther chapter 4, uh, Mordecai has called out to Esther and said, hey, Esther, it's your, it's your chance. Go to the king and, and plead our case. Plead the case of your people. And Esther's like, I can't do that. I can't do that. Uh, I, it, Everybody knows that if you go into the king's um, chambers without being called, you could be put to death. If he doesn't raise a staff towards you, you could be put to death. And so I can't, I can't do that. Mordecai responds to Esther in Esther chapter 4, verse 13. And he says this. Mordecai sent a reply back to Esther. So he wrote on a sticky note and he, he gave it to his friend and the friend went in and took it into Esther or maybe he threw a, a rock with a note through her window. I don't know how he got this to her. But Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in a palace you'll escape from what the Jews, if the Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, Deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows, Esther? Who knows, Esther? If perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. This is Uncle Mordecai pleading, exhorting, imploring Esther to act because of who she is. And here she is. She, so, who knows, Esther? 
If perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this, then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days and three nights. May my maids and I will go and do the same. And then though it is against the law, I will go in to the king. If I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything Esther had ordered him to do. Here she is. She's going to take and go fully in. She's going to act in a worthy manner and walk in fully, not a partial manner. And so she's entering in. She's doing what she's, uh, what Mordecai has encouraged her to do. Perhaps, who knows, Esther, who knows if perhaps you have been made queen for such a time as this, fasting and praying and, and coming together. Because of who you are, church, perhaps the Lord has created you in Seattle for such a time as this. That uh, because of who you are, God has positioned you to influence. God has positioned you to, to love and care, to stand up and be heard by those you have been sent to, your neighbors, your friends, the homeless community of the city, those on the streets that we don't agree with, the governing uh, bodies that we might not agree with as well. That you as a church have been called for such a time as this, as this to do amazing works, to walk out your faith, walk out your calling to give all like Esther she gave all in fact Esther gave her life for her people Esther gave her life for her people and so here here uh, um, and, and right she did she didn't die physically but she went into a place where she could have died most of us have no concept of this idea we've never enter into a place that we could die physically or even spiritually or emotionally. There are places where God is calling us to step in fully to live a life worthy of our calling. Romans 5.8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. This is God stepping clean into the story. Christ stepping completely into a place where he could die to live a life worthy of his calling. Worthy of his calling is into a place where the miraculous are, is required, into a place where, where fear is going to happen and we step beyond that. That Christ showed his love or demonstrated his love, pre, pre, uh, um, presented his love to us, demonstrated it to us. More than just talk, more than just words, more than just thought, Christ did more. And he's calling us to do the same thing. The church's is uh, famous for talking big. The church is famous for words, writing words and blogging. The, the church is famous for thought. Oh, the thought that goes into how to reach the world for Christ. Oh, the thought that goes into how to love the community for Christ. And churches are built on thought and word and talk, but few people walk in. He said that he loves us, then he showed his love to us. He demonstrated his love to us by Christ going to the cross, dying for us, conquering death and being raised again to life. Fully, completely. So there's a question for you in that, isn't there? If we really thought about this, there's a question in that. Have I gone be beyond talking, beyond words, beyond thought to live a life worthy of the calling that has been given to me? Have we as the church? Now, 
as you know, I truly believe that Epic Life Church has gone beyond just talk, gone beyond thought. And it's, it blesses my heart. It just makes me so happy, so excited to see the church still in action, still walking out this worthiness, this walking out fully um, what we've been called to. We've been called to something pretty, pretty amazing. In 2009, I think Christine said something to me that uh, was, was pretty, probably fairly prophetic. She said, perhaps God's called us to Seattle for a crisis. Uh, at the time, we were thinking perhaps it was an earthquake. Perhaps it will be an earthquake. But maybe even worse is an earthquake of the soul, an earthquake of emotions, or an earthquake of, of shaking the foundation, the things that we have put on the foundation. When Christ was the foundation, our, our house, our building is not interruptible. Our, our building cannot fall. We have, when we have other foundations, obviously the building is going to fall. So let's see here. Where am I? Uh, we're going to get back to the notes and continue uh, down this path because I'm still on verse 1, right? <laughs> the Bible is so amazing. I mean, uh, I can't stand it. I'm still on verse 1. Don't read the Bible fast. Slow down. Live your life fully in such a way it reflects the full value of God's calling. I'll say that one more time. Live your life fully in such a way that it reflects the full value of God's calling. His naming of you, his stamping of you, that naming and that stamping of you, his stamp of ownership of you, live that out. How? How are you doing that? Well, one way Epic Life is doing it, I just realized I've, I've got a pilgrim mug here. One way that we get to do this is through the, through the coffee shop. We're not out there preaching, but we are out there being generous and loving others. What does Paul say about this? Well, Paul says, wow, I just got my foot stuck in this chair. Note to self, don't use that anymore. All right. Paul, I almost fell over right in front of everyone here. I guess we could have edited it out. So, all right, here we are. So Paul says this, how are we to live this out? Well, verse two and verse three. Um, so I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you, I exhort you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God. So how, how am I gonna live this life out? What do I do? Verse two and verse three. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with one another, making allowance for each other's faults because, you, because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit and binding yourselves together in peace. For there is one body. I'm realizing right now <clears throat> that um, I'm going to cut this message down to just verse 2 uh, and not really go on to verse 3 and 4. That's a whole different sermon, and we're going to keep going in that. But let's look at verse 2. So how do we do this? How do we live this life worthy reflecting? Um, always, uh, Paul says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's fault. Humility opens the door for gentleness and patience. Can I say that again? 
humility opens the door for gentleness and patience. Humility is this amazing thing. I think sometimes we, we think we understand humility, and in the long run, we have a glimpse of humility, but don't understand it. We can look at Jesus and discover true humility with all the power in the world, yet he was a humble servant. And a, a humility is a realization of who I am without Christ. Who am I without Christ? Not much. Humility is this, this realization that, that the end is the end of, of myself. Humility becomes the end of myself. It becomes the end of my pride. It, uh, it, it's putting aside my own opinions and my own attitudes and my own pride and, and saying there, there's something better than this. I'm going to be humble and so in a relationship, perhaps between two people, we can be humble and say, I'm going to put my, my own opinions and pride down and listen to what you're saying. I'm going to be humble to, to listen. Um, when it comes to a relationship with Christ or knowing who we are with Christ, humility is saying, I cannot do this on my own. My sin is wrecking me. I cannot save myself. I cannot approach God without Christ Jesus. My humility says I am repenting and coming before Christ. If somebody comes to become a Christian without demonstrating humility, repentance, that person has never become a Christian. That person just likes the idea of Christianity, but is not capable of stepping into uh, the relationship with Christ in humility. Humility is, is more of a mindset. It's more of a, a change of the heart, a change of the soul, while gentleness and patience is what he talks about here, are both actions born out of humility. It's like the door of humility it opens so that gentleness and uh, patience can go through. So we, if, we, if we're not humble, if we don't have a, a sense of humility in our world, uh, in our life, gentleness and patience are only something we, we kind of muster up to get something from somebody else. <laughs> Got to stop and think of that just for a little bit because of how real that is in my own life. I can be gentle. I can be patient without being humble. And in those places of gentleness and patience, I'm only trying to get something out of somebody else. But when I'm humble or humbled, I realize that I can act in gentleness and patience. Gentleness is acting without harshness. Gentleness. You, you in your mind, have this idea of, of a person who's gentle gentleness some of us don't have that person in our lives we've never had somebody be gentle with us never had somebody who cares for our soul and 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 is gentle with us many of us have we know that person we know who that person has been in our life but the problem is, is that is that without ki without killing pride without becoming humble somebody can't even give gentleness this gentleness, without harshness, acting without harshness, is seen best in, in, uh, in handling an egg, perhaps. When I'm doing sermons uh, for uh, um, weddings, I often talk about <clears throat> that we, we are like two eggs and we're holding, we're holding each other like an egg and it requires gentleness. It requires us not dropping that egg or, or maybe holding a baby, right? That baby that's completely and wholly dependent on us and is, is this gentleness of holding that baby right here. One of my, my favorite 
moments in my life when, when I had babies in my own home is holding that baby right here next to my, my chest and heart to heart and just gentle, rocking, soothing, this gentleness, right? And Paul is saying, act out your worthiness. Walk this out. The value of what God has called you, the value of, what you, of who you are in gentleness. But wow, we've got to be humble to be gentle. Slowing down. Well, here's another thing. Are you, yeah, don't tell Katie I took this out of her cupboard downstairs in the preschool. So bubbles, right? Um, bubbles is something that is pretty cool. And it requires, it requires gentleness to catch them. Ah, okay. Oh, it, it requires gentleness. If you, if you, I'm not reaching in there and grabbing that. Um, you can't even catch a bubble without some incredible gentleness. In fact, it's better to, to put water on your hand so that when it touches your dry skin, it doesn't just pop just like that, right? And so this, this idea of, of, of catching a bubble is kind of coming down. It's, it's, it's changing and altering the way you behave, the way you act, the way you, your hands will act and be, the way your body will be. You're slowing down, perhaps, perhaps protecting yourself, um, uh, allowing yourself to catch that, protecting, doing something different, maybe with a soft impact. If you've ever been part of an egg toss at the 4th of July, downtown Grangeville, Idaho, egg toss and 4th of July. It's about catching that egg with gentleness, kind of changing the way you act, changing, becoming something different so that when you catch it, if you just catch an egg like a, a stone-cold, heartless uh, moron, it's going to explode all over you, right? So if you want to Test this out. Go out to the front yard right now and test it out with your kids and your roommates or, or maybe the guy next door who doesn't have any friends right now. Go out and test it. So gentleness is slowing down. It's changing our behavior. It's protecting our hands or softening the impact. Um, when we're not gentle, we break things. Not just talking about stuff anymore, Right? This is my second pilgrim mug. You know why it's my second pilgrim mug? Mug because I was walking across the street one, and I and I had this kind of with a couple books kind of under here, and I dropped this, and it went onto the street and broke in about twenty five pieces, maybe twenty six pieces, and I couldn't put it all back together again. Not being gentle breaks things, so when we're not gentle to others, we break them. Putting that back together is really hard. Humility opens the door for gentleness. You could preach a whole sermon on gentleness to tell you the truth. <clears throat> but let's go on to patience. Gentleness and patience. Patience, acting without like agitation and frustration. It's seen best when engaging with something that is slower than we want it to be. So like somebody at the checkout counter and they're taking out groceries and putting it onto the slidey thing slowly, slowly. And we're like, come on, come on, hurry up, patience. Man, before we moved out here, God showed me a vision of my own heart, my own prejudiced heart. And uh, in this, I, I saw myself driving this truck down a street and crossing the intersection in front of me was this little old 
um, African-American lady walking, walking so slow. You know, white hair, black skin, old, probably 80 years old, walking in her walker, and she's just walking along, kind of like this. Feeling it? You're like, get on with it. And that's what I was doing in my dream. I'm like, get on with it, woman. I got some places to go. I got, I'm important. I'm going to get down this street. Would you just get across the street? Come on. I've got the green light. I want to go. Patience. Patience. Whew. If you really want to understand patience, go someplace that's slow and be around people that are slow. When we're not patience, you know, patient, you know what we do? We break things. Yeah, just like gentleness. When we're not gentle, we break things. When we're not patient, we break things. Rushing about, trying to get things done. Zoom, 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 zoom. Breaking things, breaking things. I mean, you want to look at your, your typical young man running around, head chopped off, just go, 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 go. Breaking, leaving a, 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 a whole river of broken things and chaos behind him, right? You know this person. I used to be that person all the time, and probably I still am at times. Get things done, hurry, 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 no patience. I start breaking things, rushing, rushing, rushing. You start understanding this. If you really want to know who you are, if you're patient, or gentle, if you really want to know that, put yourself in a stressful situation. You'll discover right away where the deep parts of your soul are in patience and gentleness. Impatient. Don't be impatient. Don't be ungentle. All right. <clears throat> in your family, in your job, in your city, be known for living a life worthy of your calling by being known for humility that opens the door to gentleness and patience. Now, as we end, I just want to, uh, one small caveat here. I believe that we often can look at humility, gentleness, and patience as, a, as feminine things, right? This thing that we, we look at and go, oh, as a man, I can't be like that because that's not very manly. Well, Let's get rid of that for a second, shall we? In fact, as men or women, the most powerful and courageous thing that we could do is to be humble, gentle, and patient. The most courageous thing that we could do. It takes courage, actually, to be patient and gentle. <clears throat> Incredible courage. It takes a powerful strong man or a powerful strong woman to exhibit humility in patience and gentleness. I was out cutting some firewood up for our fire uh, just this morning actually and I was chopping this piece of, of wood up and carrying it in and along the side of the wood was just covered with sap. Then I got it on my arm. In fact, I, I still got it there. It was hours later and I got sap on me and it made me think about something just about this, that our purpose and God's purpose for us need to align, right? They need to align. They need to come together. And if I, I know that my, my alignment is good with God, when I'm cut, I'm going to bleed humility, gentleness, and patience. 
that that sap in me is going to kind of kind of dump out on people and it's going to stick to people if you ever um, touched sap you know it's really really sticky especially like pine snap and the reason is uh, one a little background here uh, the reason is, is that sap is so sticky and so because it's under intense pressure inside the tree pumping pumping nutrients from the ground and pumping um, uh, the sun from the leaves and into the tree and so it has a thing and there's intense pressure inside of that and that sap is just oozing through if you cut a tree and the sap was really really um, like liquidy or uh, really not thick I guess really thin like water it would just kind of squirt out and the whole tree would empty out but because it's thick you cut a tree and it oozes a little bit out and it kind of drips down and it covers the wound so that it heals the tree and and then if you get it on yourself it sticks to you and you can't get it off soap doesn't work um, perhaps maybe a little a gasoline and a match work pretty good but that kind of has adverse you know side effects so anyway when you're cut do you uh, bleed humility patience gentleness I just want to encourage you to give space to one another because of your love for Christ and because of who you're called to be. Be sap to others. Yeah. You know, I think I'm going to end there. Uh, I want to encourage you. I'm going to have along with this some study notes and I want to encourage you to get together with your house churches with Zoom. Um, please don't gather in groups. I think it's best to isolate ourselves as as much as possible so if you're thinking oh we'll just have 10 people together in our house I would encourage you not to I would encourage you to go on to zoom a video or Google Hangouts or whatever it is see each other have somebody the house church leader lead this conversation on Ephesians chapter 1 or chapter 4 verse 1 through 2 don't go beyond that. There's no need to. If you look at this stuff and dig in, there's enough material for an hour and a half or more of, of study to really change our lives in a big, big way. I, I am going to end there. Okay, you guys have a fantastic day. And let me just pray for us um, as, as we close. So Father, I praise you. It's such a blessing to know you. And it's a blessing to continue to pastor uh, Epic Life Church. I pray that we would be humble enough to receive the the pricking of our, our spirits, Lord, and that you would uh, just shine your love and your care on us. Lord, we're going through this time and we none of us really know how to act or behave, but I pray that we would be known as the church for a community that's in con we're confidently humble. And we're confidently gentle. And we're confidently patient. And Lord, I pray that you would, you would just kind of drill that into our souls. And as we're acting and reacting in a stressful time, that we would, we would put, be, be the sap of humility, gentleness, and patience. As we're living um, out the calling, we're walking worthy of the calling that you've given to us. Lord, would you protect and bless our community? Would you put your, your protection around us and heal those who are sick, bring health and comfort, Lord, and give us opportunity just to see how you're using us where you have us right now. And Lord, of course, we pray for our, our leaders, our city, our nation, our state. Lord, we pray for leadership. I just pray against people who 
all they can do is put others down and put leadership down. I pray that we would find ways to lift people up, to encourage others, to, yes, perhaps disagree with policies, but, but, but find a way to be positive about the people. And Lord, that we would be known, even in our conversations online and in our conversations um, uh, uh, with things that we don't agree with, may we be known for humility, gentleness, and patience. You're a good, good God, and I praise you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, Epic Life, go and be blessed this week. I am praying for you. Please connect in, uh, in the different ways, with Slack, with email, with Facebook. Connect with each other. Send videos to one another. Reach out and talk on the phone. Don't be socially disengaged and socially separated. Be physically separated. Yes, not socially, okay? The church is the way God is demonstrating himself to this world. We have the connection of the Spirit of God. We cannot be disconnected. We have the Spirit of God connecting us. And this world is looking for that kind of connection. Hey, be blessed. Take care.